Yo, how's everyone doing? Welcome to another episode of Simply Bitcoin IRL. Today we have a very special guest and also I consider him his friend as well. We have the one, the only, the legendary Tone Vase. Before bring him on stage, I want to give a shout out to the Bitcoin company that makes this show possible, swanbitcoin.com. Best place to build your Bitcoin stack. It's being built by Bitcoiners. It's for Bitcoiners. Check them out. Check out swanbitcoin.com today. All right, no more delay. Let's bring up uh, the one, the only, legendary Tone Vase. How you doing, Tone? Hey, Nico. How are you? Hope all is good. Yeah. How's uh, how's life? Where where are you these days? Because you're you're a globetrotter. Yeah. Well, I was out in Dubai for about three weeks, hosting the financial summit and speaking at like five different conferences out there. October is really big in Dubai for God knows how many shitcoin events. Uh, hopefully some Bitcoin events will be heading that way soon. Uh, at the moment, I, uh, I'm in New York and I'm heading back to my home in Panama uh, tomorrow. Actually, no way. Tomorrow I'll be in Miami for one night and then I'll, I'm heading to Panama the next day. So. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, you, I was lucky enough you invited me to Panama um, and it's absolutely incredible down there. I, I, I highly recommend anyone to make that, that trek, that journey. It's, uh, I could see it becoming a Citadel. Yeah. Well, we got a couple of brewing. I think El Salvador will uh, be a Citadel a little earlier. It'll take a while for Panama to adopt Bitcoin, uh, mostly because it's on the U S dollar. So it's fairly stable. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Anyways, so let's talk a little bit about your trip to Dubai. I've I had the pleasure of going to one of these your uh, financial summits, the one in Dominican Republic. Unfortunately, I was working, so I didn't get to I didn't get a chance to enjoy a lot of the things. Um, but uh, but it was absolutely beautiful. The hotel, uh, my room was on the beach. Uh, I was on the water. There was poker nights. It was like educational type of stuff like that. So how was the one in Dubai and what is the financial summit for anyone who doesn't know? Yeah, so the one in Dubai was very similar to the one you attended over in uh, Dominican Republic. After Dominican Republic, we did we did one out in Bali and now we've done one in the, in Dubai. Uh, technically, it's Russell Kaiman, not Dubai. You still fly into the Dubai airport. Uh, but Russell Karma is another emirate like Abu Dhabi, Dubai, there's Sharjah, there's seven of them, uh, the seven emirates. We were in the Russell Kaima, which is out in the desert, a beautiful location. I, you know, half the job is picking the right venue in the right hotel. Uh, the financial summit, it's kind of like a retreat for traders uh, and money managers, along with other financial professionals, entrepreneurs, financial engineers. Uh, is designed for the higher net worth crowd. Uh, it is a $9,000 event, but it includes an insanely high-end room. Uh, usually it's your own villa. Dominican Republic was an exception because we rented a castle that had like 60 uh, rooms in it. Some of those rooms were like ridiculous multi-bedroom suites. And some of those rooms were a little more regular rooms. Uh, and uh, it's usually between four or five nights you get a bunch of financial people there to discuss uh, trading and investing during the day our morning sessions are very health focused on longevity and uh just basically how to live longer it's mostly longevity based and uh mindset based 
and evenings are just fun. You know, we have a trading contest. We play some poker. Uh, you know, DR, that's easy. Bali, that's easy. Uh, when you're in, uh, sorry, Dominican Republic is easy. And uh, Bali is easy. Uh, when you're in Dubai or other places, uh, poker is a little bit harder. Our next stop is the Maldives. The next financial summit is in the Maldives. That one should sell out unreasonably quick. So if you ever wanted to go to the Maldives, uh, that's your shot to join us at the financial summit. But it's over a year away. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I can't recommend them enough. Definitely great time I had in Dominican Republic. So uh, Clown World is accelerating, man. Things are getting crazy, whether that's, you know, the political environment here in the United States, you know, that you have the election coming up in 2024. Uh, but also it seems like uh, just financial markets, just the geopolitical situation altogether. Uh, what's your take on that? Specifically, I, I, I want to mention this to you and you're Bitcoin OG. You've been here for a while. How Elizabeth Warren used the fake Wall Street Journal article to write a letter to the White House and then that led to the White House to put pressure on the Treasury. And then that led to these crazy FinCEN regulations that would basically make it a requirement that every single Bitcoin transaction would have to be reported to the FinCEN. Um, what's your take on all that? I mean, we we found out after the fact that the Wall Street Journal article was completely misrepresented, completely mis misrepresented the data. Uh, so what's your take on all that? I mean, does it surprise you I mean, at all? Standard, standard government operating procedure. They release, uh, you know, they put out garbage and then they use that garbage uh, to make more tyrannical laws. That's basically, that's the playbook. This is not the first time, not the last time. Uh, every department works like that. The Federal Reserve does the same thing. They all do. Uh, the Federal Reserve will come up with a statement saying, we're planning to raise rates. And if the market panics, they're going to come back and say, whoa, whoa, we didn't mean it. We we're just thinking about thinking about raising rates. Uh, don't panic. And if the market doesn't panic, they're going to go, oh, yeah, hey, no one's panicking. So we're going to raise rates. Uh, it's the same thing here. Uh, they release, you know, a bunch of nonsense that the government will use to their advantage. Uh, this is why the United States is collapsing. This is why the United States is going to collapse. I don't think reversing the ship is possible. And it doesn't matter. I no longer care what the government does when it comes to Bitcoin. It's too big to stop. It is the definition of too big to fail. But it's not even too big to fail. It's too important to fail. Nothing else is important. Uh, this is important. And it doesn't matter what the government does. Uh, the more tyrannical they get against Bitcoin, the more it will thrive. So it doesn't matter. What they want to do is actually impossible. You're not going to assign, you know, identifications to Bitcoin transactions. And the moment this stuff is needed, you know, there'll be full-blown privacy. We have full-blown privacy in Bitcoin transactions. Nobody uses it because it's not necessary. It's not important. When it becomes important, everyone's going to use it. Uh, the liquid sidechain, which I think I'm the only person that continues to promote the liquid sidechain because every transaction inside the liquid sidechain is completely anonymous and people don't want to use it. And then they complain why Bitcoin transactions are not anonymous. Like you have options uh, and it doesn't matter. They can't stop it. It's too important to stop. It, it's it's going to be with us. And uh, I remain on record for since the uh, election of 2020. I'm not going to say the type of election it was in 2020. Starts with the letter F. 
uh, election of 2020. Since that day, I said that the United States has at most 10 years to survive as a single nation. And, uh, and that's it. And then all of these laws just go away. They just disappear because the United States will not be able to enforce them. And Bitcoin will just thrive. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, and and I have a very very similar uh, feeling to that. I think me and you went uh, to, without getting too much into details because YouTube doesn't like these types of conversations and regarding to certain elections. Uh, but uh, yeah, me and you had a very long discussion about this. You originally come from the you know the Soviet Union or the previous Soviet Union. I originally come from Venezuela. Uh, countries that followed a very very similar path, uh, to put it lightly. And, uh, you know, the patterns are definitely striking. Now, Tone, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, what's your take on the uh, interest uh, of BlackRock? Because it's like, yes, the, the United States, I, I completely agree. I, I don't like the direction that it's heading. It's incredibly obvious. But what's your take on very, these powerful institutions like BlackRock? Uh, it looks like they're getting into Bitcoin. And we all know that BlackRock basically owns the U.S. government. Um, do you think that would change anything in terms of the hostility coming from the current administration? Not really. Uh, BlackRock is more of a capitalistic company than the U.S. federal government. So BlackRock being in charge of the federal government, I mean, they use the federal government to enforce their, uh, I guess, gigantic portfolio. Uh, BlackRock is taking over everything, right? They're becoming the biggest landlord. And once again, uh, everything falls back to, will the United States remain a single, one giant single nation? And I don't believe that it will. So when the United States breaks up into multiple, country, multiple countries, what happens to BlackRock? What happens to their control? What happens to their enormous real estate portfolio? They will not have daddy government to enforce uh, them being the big landlord of the United States. So BlackRock is going to be in trouble. One company cannot own the world. If it was possible for one company to own the world, uh, the West India Company you know, would have because they have the biggest Navy in, in the entire planet. And that company is long gone. So no company can control the planet. So BlackRock's days are also numbered because they're kind of tied into the United States. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Now, how much pool they have to, to get this uh, Bitcoin ETF first. Now, uh, BlackRock owns a subsidiary uh, that is a big ETF company. And I remain on record saying that Gary Gensler will not allow a Bitcoin ETF, a spot ETF on his watch. I know there's supposed to be an announcement this Friday. Uh, the market is rallying right now. I think the Gary Gensler is going to turn down uh, the Bitcoin ETF once again this Friday. Maybe in January, things could be different. Uh, but for now, I believe that the ETF is not coming. So let's see where that goes. Uh, BlackRock. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you buried the lead there because it's a very strong statement because the general sentiment is that perhaps it doesn't come in 2023, but it will be approved in 2024. You're sticking to your guns and you're saying it's not going to be approved, period. It's not going to be improved with Gary Gensler as the head of the SEC. So that's my view. That's been my view. I mean, prior to Gary Gensler, uh, 
the 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 world wasn't ready for a Bitcoin spot ETF, so it wasn't coming. Uh, under Gary Gensler's watch, I don't believe a Bitcoin spot ETF is coming. They would have to bribe Gary Gensler to give him like a bigger position. Say, hey Gary, approve the Bitcoin ETF, and you will be the next Treasury Secretary of the United States, taking over for Janet Yellen. So unless there is some kind of deal like that on the table, I don't believe Gary Gensler is going to approve a Bitcoin ETF. Now, Gary Gensler can be replaced. Uh, the SEC has not exactly been very competent in the last few years. The Ripple case is the obvious step there. So once Gary Gensler is replaced, then the new replacement will very likely approve a Bitcoin ETF. So I'm not saying that the Bitcoin ETF is not coming. I'm just saying that Gary Gensler is not going to be the one to do it. So why what, why is it that Gary Gensler, why is he so hell-bent on not approving this? Why does Gary, why is Gary Gensler specifically against uh, the Bitcoin spot ETF? So my view is, is that Gary Gensler is the smartest guy in the room when it comes to understanding Bitcoin and shitcoins. Uh, he's as smart as us. He knows it super well. He taught a course on this at MIT. Uh, he was the CFTC chair when, uh, you know, uh, he's been he's been up to his neck in crypto uh, for a long time. He knows it really well. And I think that he understands the risks that come with the Bitcoin ETF. And most importantly, he knows that the moment he approves uh, all right, the moment he approves, oh, one second, sorry. Uh, the moment he approves a Bitcoin spot ETF, he's going to get a thousand applications for every shitcoin that has ever existed in the history of crypto. He's going to get a BitConnect ETF application, right? And he will have a very hard time denying a BitConnect ETF application after he approves a Bitcoin spot ETF. Like, what do you do about Ethereum spot ETF? What do you do about a Ripple spot ETF? How do you deny those after you approve uh, a Bitcoin ETF? Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, but 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 hold on. If if he's if he's very well studied, and I agree because there was an article that was released. I think it was for New York Magazine or something where he clearly made it seem like. Uh, there's Bitcoin and then there's crypto. And he, he clearly is aware of what the differentiating factors are between the two. But I, I, I just I, I guess I'm a bit confused tone where if he knows the difference, why couldn't he just approve a Bitcoin spot ETF and not a, a crypto ETF? Because from a legal perspective, he has to justify it. Right. They 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 lost the case against Ripple mm. and they can't even file a case against Ethereum. Right. Now, Gary Gensler knows that Ethereum is unlicensed on registered security. He knows that. He taught a course about that at MIT. But there's nothing he can do to prove it on paper that Ethereum is an unlicensed unregistered security. So on paper, if he approves a Bitcoin spot ETF, he will have zero justification to deny an Ethereum spot ETF. So in a way, by not allowing a Bitcoin spot ETF, He's being a Bitcoin maxi and protecting the financial system from turning into shitcoinery. 
Okay. Okay. I that's interesting. Okay, so he you're basically saying that Gary Genzer is not delaying the spot Bitcoin ETF for political because of political pressure coming from the Biden administration. You're saying that he's delaying it because if he approves it, it will open Pandora's box for shitcoin yeah. ETFs to be approved. Correct. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Wow. I, I, that's the first time I've heard that from anyone. So I'm still taking it in. Um, anyways, Tone. So a lot of other things to kind of change the pivot, the conversation a little bit. Uh, a lot of things are happening in terms of the, you know, the stock market. It still hasn't really, it still hasn't reached all time highs. I think the S and P, even though it did make a, a bit of a recovery, um, there's the narrative that the, you know, that there, that the recession is coming in 2024. Do you still believe that there's a recession on the horizon? Do you believe that the Federal Reserve pulled off the so-called soft landing? Or there's this other narrative that there's there's not going to be a recession altogether. Uh, what's your take on that? So I've been on the narrative that recession happened in 2022. And we've already recovered out of the recession. And I'm not anticipating another one. So um, the word recession is in itself tricky. Uh, the government used to have a definition of a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of, ne of uh, negative economic growth. We had that. And then the government just changed the definition where that's no longer the case. Now, 2022 was a very rough year for all businesses. And uh, 2023 has been a slightly better year. And uh, I think it'll be fine. Now, are people going to struggle? Yes. Have people been struggling? Yes. Since 2019, people have been struggling. Since the lockdowns, since the government just got in the way of people's businesses, people have been struggling. So uh, the word recession is it's tough to explain these days because we don't know where a recession is. But I believe the stock market is going to go to new all-time highs. And I think the common person on the street is still going to struggle. But the stock market will go up. So what will be the definition of a recession? Right? Like, like when we say there's a recession, what does that really mean? A lot of people assume that means that the stock market crashes. That means people lose their jobs. It's a, unemployment's huge. But right now, unemployment is actually not that high. People are just struggling. They just, you know, their salaries aren't rising. Inflation is rising. People are just struggling. But, you know, there's plenty of jobs. Companies are struggling to hire good people because no one wants to work. Uh, the U.S. government over the last several decades have made people very, very lazy. Uh, it's very hard to find a hardworking employee these days. And uh, what, what it ends up being right now in the environment where people are losing their jobs to better technology. Uh, you know, as a minimum wage rises, uh, stores are replacing people with robots. You know, like fast food is going to be all robots. Uh, AI is coming, uh, making simple tasks, you know, even easier. And companies that utilize AI tools will displace, you know, people, will, you know, displace their jobs. So people will struggle but the stock market will continue to rise. Uh, does that mean it's a recession? I don't know, but that's kind of my outlook for the United States. Gotcha. So if there is, isn't going to be a recession, 
it's safe to say that we've hit bottom. There's not going to be another correction. It's just here to the moon from now on. I believe so. I think many forces are going to drive the stock market higher. It doesn't, uh, but again, stock market going up doesn't mean that everyone is fat and happy and having a good life. Uh, there are so many reasons for the stock market to rise. Uh, one of them is inflation itself. As inflation rises, stock prices rise. As companies become more efficient, replacing their most expensive part of the company, which is human labor, with AI tools, their stock prices rise. The government wiping out uh, mom and pop stores and making their life even harder, you know, improves uh, companies like Amazon's. Uh, Amazon stock went through the roof because the government uh, told everyone to go shop at Amazon. Okay, and uh, these kinds of things will drive the stock market higher. Uh, so I'm expecting the stock market to rise. Also, here's another one at you. Right now, there's only one major company in the S&P that has Bitcoin on its balance sheet, and that's MicroStrategy. Uh, Tesla has some, uh, Block, formerly Square, has some. And uh, But what happens? What happens when Bitcoin goes into a bull market? What happens when Bitcoin breaks 50,000 and everyone hits FOMO and now Bitcoin is rising to 100,000? Aren't more companies going to want to do what uh, MicroStrategy did? What happens when MicroStrategy is in the top five market cap companies in the world? Everyone is going to buy Bitcoin, right? So now every company in the S&P 500 has got Bitcoin on its balance sheet. Doesn't that mean the stock of that company is going to rise? Uh, so many reasons for stock market to rise. The, no one is buying American bonds. Uh, the bond sector is incredibly risky. Uh, the, the ratio between people holding bonds and stocks is huge in the in favor of stocks versus it was five, six years ago. I think that ratio is going to keep moving in the stock's direction. Uh, government bonds are very risky. Uh, there is private debt and then there is, you know, there's, uh, you can invest in, in the public. You can invest in the private sector. Stock market is the private sector. Uh, you know, Europe is in serious trouble. Uh, now we're in the midst of another war, right? Russia, Ukraine wasn't enough. Uh, now it's uh, Israel, Palestine. The United States is doing absolutely nothing to lower the tensions. They're just, you know, fully on board for a Jewish versus Muslim war happening, right? And now they want to start another one with China. Uh, where do people hide their money? The U.S. stock market is actually fairly safe. Most of the companies are tech companies. They don't have a physical presence in the U.S. Netflix, uh, that's a global company. Uh, Microsoft, that's a global company. Uh, I mean, what else we got at the top? Google, that's a global company. Uh, investing in Google, uh, Google doesn't have to reside on United States soil. Uh, it can actually go completely decentralized, right? Uh, so this is where people will find safety in their money. Uh, so plenty of reasons for stock market to rise. Uh, Chris Chiovaco, uh, he's a traditional analyst, uh, runs a fund. Uh, I used to follow him all the time, even before I got into crypto. I've been following his work like 15 years ago, even maybe even before that. Uh, he's got this article out saying the demographics have never been stronger in favor of the stock market uh, run-up. 
like just uh, the age of boomers versus the young generation, millennials, Gen Z, the demographics are setting up the way they were setting up in the 80s for the big run-up between the 80s and 90s. And it's uh, he's seeing similar similarity like in the 80s and 90s and prior to that, uh, 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 I, I, I forgot the dates, but the demographics are setting up for a bull market as well. That one was that, that was an interesting read for me because I didn't I didn't see that coming. All we hear is uh, you know boomers are gonna end uh, the big run up, but he has the complete opposite argument. There's just so many reasons for the stock market to rise. I'm gonna stick with my bullish view of the stock market. I've been talking about it for a decade now. The stock market is gonna keep rising and rising and rising, and it has been. We're just five percent off the all time highs. I think we'll reach it very early next year. Okay, interesting, interesting. I love the 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 uh, the opposing view because I, I, I the general consensus is you know there's going to be another you know it, it's going to keep dropping. There's going to there's going to be a recession in 2024. So it's it's uh it's refreshing to hear something different than the the common the common consensus. Now, where does Bitcoin play into all this? Because I think. Uh, at least I'm speaking for myself. I was extremely disappointed with the 2020, 2021 bull market. I think everyone was expecting 100K. I think we should have hit 100K. Um, I think that there was a, you know, a, a multitude of factors, whether it was the China ban, which made the hash rate drop, which caused the sell pressure from the miners. There was the, you know, the rehypothecation from FTX. Um, and then the theme that I hear this cycle is the the diminishing returns theory right which is essentially uh the best days of bitcoin are over uh we'll be lucky if we hit 100k this cycle uh what is your take on that tone base yeah I, I was certainly disappointed in that second half of 2021 uh, and only because we broke the prior all-time high from april uh, for me as a technical analyst uh the most bullish sign for me is breaking the prior all-time high. When we broke 65,000 and went to 68, I was incredibly bullish, mostly from a TA perspective. So yeah, it was disappointing. We never got to that 80, 90 thousand uh, dollar range. And I think on the next one, we can overshoot. Uh, now, diminishing returns is true, but even if the price of Bitcoin goes to a quarter million, you can still claim it's a diminishing return based on how it did in 2013 and how it did in 2017 even going to a quarter mil would be a diminishing return uh, so that would be a nice run-up for bitcoin look it is true uh, because there's a lot more value on chain but at the same time we have not seen any critical mass adoption on the country level all we have is el salvador and on the corporate level all we really have is micro strategies we really have one company and one country and I think this is. I think these things are coming. Uh, I think more countries are going to adopt it. I think more companies are just going to uh, put their uh, money into Bitcoin on their balance sheets. And once that sets in, like the ETF is an ETF. The ETF, I don't even think is going to be the main catalyst here. Uh, there's other great catalysts, and even like regular people, regular plebs. If you're middle class income in the West. You should be able to have one Bitcoin in cold storage. Uh, it's thirty-seven thousand dollars right now. Would have been better a year ago when it was fifteen thousand. Anybody could have. I mean, if you have a 
70, $80,000 job, you should be able to hold one Bitcoin uh, for the future. And we now have over 1 million wallets with one Bitcoin. And if your wallet has one Bitcoin today, you can afford a second Bitcoin. And so I am expecting 2 million wallets to hold a Bitcoin, at least a Bitcoin. And this is the kind of Bitcoin that gets off chain for a long time. Uh, also, Lightning Network, uh, as more and more as a few million Bitcoin gets into the Lightning Network, all of this removes liquidity. It removes sell pressure on Bitcoin. And uh, when that FOMO sets in, I can easily see Bitcoin going up from, say, 75,000 straight to 150,000 in a, in a matter of a few months. Very, very easy, easily happens because the liquidity is just not going to be there. The sell pressure is not going to be there and it will just fly up. And I think that day is coming this cycle. Man, I, and and that is, uh, you know, and, and I agree, by the way, I, I, I can't explain it and, you know, articulate it and, and uh, say it the way that you did tone. But I, I do believe that this cycle is different because of Michael Saylor, uh, because of Naim Bukele and their strategies are going to be vindicated. And there's no amount of corporate media propaganda spin that's going to be able to deny the fact that they made the right moves. I mean, Michael Saylor is, and, and again, not every company is going to go, you know, <laughs> as balls to the wall as Saylor has with MicroStrategy. But even if a company puts on 1%, 2%, 3% of Bitcoin on their balance sheet, it, you know, it's going to completely outperform any other strategy. And I think that's going to be undeniable this next this next cycle do you see a, a fomo from a bunch of institutions a bunch of public companies trying to buy bitcoin as the price is running up or do you think they'll wait for the next cycle no i don't think anyone's waiting for another cycle i think everyone is just waiting uh for the break of the all-time high and i think that fomo sets in above fifty thousand. uh one more having uh i think if bitcoin does not cross fifty thousand before the halving, and it crosses 50,000 after the halving, that cross of 50,000 is just gonna create massive FOMO. I can see us going from 50 to quarter mil in six months. That is insane. And, and, and are we talking about the regular pattern of, you know, where it, it's usually about nine months to 12 months after the halving, so really the beginning of 2025, mid 2025, are we seeing this run up? Or do you start to see this happen before? According to Adam Back, you know, he made a bet with, on Twitter with uh, Bikingo, a buddy of ours, where he was betting him that we would hit 100K before the next halving. Uh, do you believe in that? Uh, are you on that camp or what? No, I, I don't think we're going to hit 100K. I don't even think we're going to hit 50K before the halving. I, I think we're just going to get stuck here and struggle quite a bit. Uh, it's been a very frustrating bear market, but you know what? Everything is playing out exactly like the prior cycles, and it's kind of scary. So I am actually fully on board that this cycle is going to look very similar to the prior cycles. But after that, things are going to change. I don't know how they're going to change, uh, but maybe we're not going to have an 80% crash again. I don't know. Uh, but I think the next cycle is going to look very, very different. But the current cycle, I think, is completely on par i think that maybe 42 43 000 is the peak before the halving 
We're going to, you know, pull back down to maybe 30,000 at some point before the halving. And then after the halving, within maybe three months after the halving, we're going to break 50,000. And the break of 50,000 just sets everything off uh, for FOMO. So you really want to be in Bitcoin before it hits 50,000. Because after that, you're going to, you know, go to sleep, wake up, and you can go, what the hell happened? That's a $10,000 candle. Yeah. yeah. And is and but you mentioned something there, which is you do believe that we will pull back down to 30K before the halving. I do. I think this recent run up is a little bit weird. Uh, this whole run up feels like it, it. First of all, it got kicked off on fake news by Cointelegraph about the Bitcoin ETF being approved. And uh, in the last couple of hours, Bitcoin rallied again. Uh, the announcement is coming this Friday from Gary Gensler. I think it's going to be negative. I think the market is going to, you know, nosedive a bit uh, when Gary Gensler does not approve the ETF this Friday. And then people are going to hold out into January, waiting for him to approve the ETF in January. And then once again, they'll be disappointed. And then, uh, uh, and then we'll see, right? We are getting closer and closer to the halving. And uh, miners are actually kind of incentivized, the big miners are incentivized to create a lot of pain for their less efficient competition. So after the halving, the big miners that want to dominate the market, they're very incentivized to dump Bitcoin on the market to really crush the miners that are struggling. There'll be miners that are struggling after the halving. And they're going to go like, oh, if we can hold out these two to three months after the halving, now we're making half the profit. Maybe we can hang in there. Maybe the price will rise. If these big miners are going to try to crush them by just selling Bitcoin into the halving because they know they have the money to hold out. Uh, and then once those miners capitulate after the halving, uh, then uh, we'll be on the upside. Absolutely. 100 percent. So I do want to be respectful of your time. I know you said you have to leave in a couple minutes or so. I want to talk about your conference, which is coming up. I'll be there. I'll be getting a I'll get I'll be getting married the day after unconfiscatable, which is going to be now, I mean, like keep it a secret. And here you are blabbing it all over um, your your, uh, your YouTube channel. Blah. Um, but uh, but yes, basically um, wedding is limited, though, right? It is limited. It is limited. It is limited. Um, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I'm extremely excited for unconfiscatable. It is one of my favorite conference and I go to a lot of Bitcoin conferences, one of my favorite conferences of the year. Um, and, uh, there, there's the t-shirt and, uh, last year, um, Last year, um, you made the final table. You're gonna play again. Are you, I know, are you I, I know. I can't believe it. This is like my first poker tournament ever. Uh, yes, I'm absolutely gonna play the poker tournament again. I don't know if I'm gonna make it to the final table again, but it was a whole are you lot signed, of fun. Are you signed up yet? Are you Are you in? I haven't signed up yet. Should I? Yeah. Is it, you are are sign we up. running out of? Is there running out of space? Uh not yet. But you should definitely sign up because. Uh, We'll see. You may actually have a better shot this year. We may not sell out the entire 100 seats. But the reason why I want people to sign up early is because if we're going, if it's the week before the event and we only have like 60 seats, why am I paying for 10 tables and 10 dealers, right? I'm only going to hire six dealers and they're going to bring six tables. So those that want to play last minute, they're going to be like, sorry, we have a 60 player tournament and we have a better shot at winning first place. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and uh, definitely recommend Unconfiscatable. It's one of my favorite. The D, the D Hotel is incredible. It's right in the Las Vegas Strip. There's the canopy thing. Well, no, that, trip, downtown, Las Vegas downtown. Las Vegas downtown. Isn't that the same thing? No, no, the uh, Strip is those big resorts like next oh, to the airport. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, but yeah, it's Las Vegas downtown. There's like the canopy ride right down the middle. Uh, you know, it, it's just absolutely incredible. Uh, the venue is great. Uh, there's a little balcony too. You can kind of look down. Uh, what are you most excited about this year? You know, um, uh, I'm just excited to see everybody one more time this year. Uh, what do you mean one more time? That sounds, that sounds, that sounds like it's, it's a finale or something. It is a finale. It's in December. It's the last okay. conference of the year. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. It will be the finale. Okay, uh, the, the finale, finale of the year. The finale yeah. of the year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know any other events that are happening after this event. So we are the finale for the, to, you know, put 2023 behind us, get ready for the having year of 2024. Uh, looking forward to playing some poker. And uh, it's been a rough year. You know, I just looking forward to relaxing right after it's done. Uh, the Scammy Awards are going to be fun. We're going to have Giacomo Zuko and Mir hosting it this year uh we'll see next year maybe you and sophie uh or uh try to get max and stacy but we keep moving host it was leah walder myself year one and uh the, the bitcoin couple in year two uh so the scammy awards are going to be fun the carnivory dinner is going to be awesome this year uh rented out uh a top steakhouse uh it's it's just going to be a fun event man it's going to be smaller it's going to be one of the smaller conferences. It should be about 300 people. Uh, 400 is our sellout. Let's shoot for the 400. It'll be at least 300. It's going to be a nice, fun time. Uh, we're just going to have a blast. Absolutely, man. It, like I said, I had such a great time last year. It was, incredible, uh, it was an incredible conference. Anyways, Tone, it seems like we are getting to the top of, of the time. Uh, guys, you can use promo code SIMPLY10 to get your unconfiscatable tickets. You can check the, the link in the video description as well as the link to the Financial Summit. I definitely recommend those two events. I've been to both of them personally, and they're an absolute blast. Tone Vase, thank you so much for joining us on Simply Bitcoin IRL today. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tone. All right, guys, that was our show. If you enjoyed it, smash the like button. Consider subscribing if you feel like we provided you value. We'll be back tomorrow, 12.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for another episode of Simply Bitcoin Live. Peace out, everybody.